Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is our second round of 100 episodes. That's right. We are on episode 101. My name is Matt Sin, Wrestle Life Matt. I'm here with my little brother Micah and my cousin Kyle. Say hi, Micah. You know, you won't make me do it. I'm not your performing monkey. You're not a performing monkey. It's your gimmick now. I'm not doing it. Okay. You don't have to. I refuse. You, I'm getting you a new gimmick. Sell, I'm turning heel. You can't sell t-shirts if you don't have a gimmick. I'm turning heel. I'm taking Chris's <laughs> job. So you're the wrestle life heel? Screw Bork Lesnar. <laughs> Hi, Kyle. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> still, good. Uh, still in a relationship after uh, making my anniversary last week. Yeah, I'm glad you made it. How did how did that turn out for you? Have a nice dinner. I saw pictures. Yeah, we had a nice pandemic dinner. We ordered uh, from uh, the Capitol Grill here in Nashville. Had mm-hmm. a nice nice candlelight meal. So I, I did pretty good, if I say so myself. Is Capitol Grill a chain? Because we have one here too, and I I had never heard of it before. It's like really fancy. I have no idea. I don't think so. Yeah, it might just be another one with the same name. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Um, so, so wrestling, haha, <laughs> that's what we're here for, right? Before we get into our weekend review, because we're going to tell you all about Dynamite Raw and SmackDown of this week, Mr. Wrestle Life Hill Chris Cumby is going to give us uh, This Day in Wrestling History. Thank you, Chris. And 1818, can you believe it? Oh my gosh, how old are we? 18 years ago today, WWF got the F out Mm. and became WWE. 18 years ago today, May 6th, what was it, 2002? Yep. Crazy. I was thinking the other day, if Vince would have kept that extra W in Worldwide Wrestling Federation, he never would have had to drop the F. He could have kept the F. But instead, he had to drop the W and he had to drop the F. Those damn pandas. (laughs) (laughs) oh man also eight years ago today wwe released dustin runnels he was a producer at the time and then he went and wrestled for a few months in the independent circuit came back for a one shot in the 2013 royal rumble and uh he decided to stick around and he was with wwe i think until he quit recently about a year ago and joined aew that's what I said. Six six year run, yeah, not bad. Man's man's still going at what is it fifty four? That was his fifth WWE return, by the way. Wow. Fifth. Yeah, he's been in and out a couple times. Yeah, nuts. Don't Absolutely insane. No. So I don't know. I just I five that, times. I think that last time that he was fired was because uh, I remember correctly he spoke about it. I think he suggested a spot. And the guy botched it and like injured the other guy, and they blamed him for it, which is stupid in my opinion, because uh, he's not the one in the ring. It was a cool spot, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that's why I got fired. And it was it's a little little backhanded in my opinion, but it's just, it all worked out. We've got him in the AEW now, putting on a clinic with Lance Archer, as we'll talk about shortly. Yeah, we will. Yeah, WWE is notorious for firing people for no reason, really. I mean, you look at Dan, and, and then bringing them back because they fire them to save face, but then they just bring them back. It's like college football teams, right? And like, oh, this guy stole a laptop. Let's fire him. And now he's going to go win a national championship with another team. I mean, I just... War Eagle, baby. The other team... 
Yeah. The other team, the other team is totally okay with it, and they get no flack at all for picking up this guy that stole a laptop. And I'm just picking on Kyle because you don't understand they're rehabbing him. (laughs) Why can't the original school do that? I don't understand. They get all this press, all this push. You got to let this guy go. Kick him off the team. Show him that you know. Show him that he he can't get away with this. And then you know they just go join another team. I don't know. Anyway, this isn't a football podcast, but look for Football Life Radio. Just kidding. Um, but I just – Daniel Bryan, when he choked Justin Roberts because, you know, oh, it brings back scenes of the Crispin Wah tragedy. All right. And they brought him back like two yeah, months all later. all right, Edge versus Orton at WrestleMania. Exactly. They fired Jim Ross because Ric Flair wouldn't shut up. So they fired JR for it because he couldn't control him or whatever the heck. Like, Ric Flair's sure son had just died. Yeah, like in the room yeah. next to him, he was drunk. Yeah, that that whole thing was. But you know, like I said, everything worked out. We get him an AEW. Yeah, WWE's notorious for that kind of crap. I don't know. If but only speaking, we can get Daniel Bryan. <laughs> speaking of AEW, yes, that would be nice. Speaking of AEW, let's move right on into AEW Dynamite. All right, kick it away, Micah. I'm gonna go ahead and give a little spoiler. This episode's week, or this this episode's week. This week's episode was very good. Uh, we started out with a little, you had a little uh, vignette with uh, Cody and Darby. Uh, Darby is talking about how Cody is just a corporate sheep now, you know, with all his suits and his ties, and that he is set apart. He's relentless. Uh, Cody says that Darby's the future of the company, but doesn't know whether or not he's championship material yet. And he knows for the fact that he is, and even if he can't compete for the main title, he didn't say that, but he can still go for this secondary title. And we go into the match. And I will say, uh, Darby versus Cody in Jacksonville, the show we were at, is one of my favorite AEW matches. It was very good. Darby versus Cody tonight is definitely, um, in my opinion, is it's a low point for them. Uh, low point for Cody, for sure. And uh, yeah, definitely low point for Darby uh, in their AEW tenure. Uh, it was overbooked, had a weird, terrible finish. And yeah, it just, I mean... If you take away the overbooking and the finish, it's an average match for for Darby and Cody. But with everything put together, it was it was it was pretty bad. Uh, do you feel the same way, Matthew? I'm not going to go too much into it yet. I want to see what you think. I definitely want to talk about this ending. So if you want to talk about the match first, but yes, I <laughs> would 100% like to talk about it because I didn't like it at all. Uh, and I feel very strongly about disliking it, very WWE strongly about disliking it. So I definitely want to talk about it. It was it was bad. It was just a bad match. Uh, it was way too overbooked, as a lot of stuff with Cody is, if you'll notice. I mean, look at his entrance. Good Lord. Uh, every- he loves the pomp and circumstance. So that's that's part of who he is. I think they need to reel him back a little bit. I really do. Uh, Maybe I, a little. He's, he's basically the Triple H situation uh, of AEW. But I think he's got even more freedom than Triple H did because Triple H was still the son-in-law of the owner. But this guy is almost running a lot of the day-to-day operations. And he's he's booking and he's, and he's wrestling. And it's just, I don't know. I feel like they need to reel him back a little bit. I'm not saying that he shouldn't have won this match. I, I think he should have won this match. Uh, I think that AEW's EVPs have a problem with booking themselves too poorly. Uh, I'll look at Kenny Omega specifically. Um, but, and, and I'm not saying that he doesn't put people over. I mean, he lost to MJF, good Lord, at the end of their, their uh, well, I say the end, at, at their match at Revolution. Uh, 
but it's just everything he about him, especially here recently. He's always got like crap happening outside of the ring. Two or three, two or three people at ringside. It seems like everything is just too overbooked for me. Uh, you had a couple really cool spots where Cody actually went for the coffin drop, which I thought was you know brave of him to do so. He's a bigger guy. Um, Allen actually gets his knees up though. Darby Allen gets his knees up to reverse that. But really, like to get back to what I hated about this match, and, and I've talked, I, I I obviously disliked Brandy's Nightmare Collective reign, and that seems like freaking years ago now. Yeah. Um, she was bad. She was bad in this. Uh, Cody. Darby's going after Cody, and Cody just steps aside and lets Darby just run over his wife. He basically, he, as he's was such a human life. Yeah, he almost shoved him into her. It was do crazy. You remember, do you remember the koi pond scene in the office with Jim? Yes. Okay, that's what this was. All right. He saw him going into Darby, or Darby going into branding, and he was like, eh, this might as well happen. And yeah. just lets it happen. And I don't, I don't get that at all. And then like Darby's trying to check on Brandy because he's still playing a face. And then Cody's like, no, I'm going to punch you. And it's just like, check on your wife, dude. I don't know. Uh, uh, Cody often is a bit on edge uh, between heel and face. And this was really odd. He played off the heel in this match, in my opinion, with all the over overbooking and the, the outside. I don't know. I think a lot of Cody's stuff doesn't play well to being the face of the company. Maybe that's what he's going for. I don't know. But that was bad. Okay, and then you see Brandy getting carted out. Not carted out. She's getting like she's like limping out. She's so hurt. She's a, terrible. It, it was awful. Bad acting. Sorry, Brandy. It was bad. I know you're listening. Uh, all of AEW listens to our show every week. But it was, it was bad. Uh, and then, so they go on with the match, and that's when the coffin drop, uh, Cody's coffin drop happens and all that. And uh, then... Brandy, like, acting like she's been shot in the stomach. Right. Stumbles out there with a bottle of water for Cody to drink. How often in the middle of a wrestling match have you ever seen somebody stop for a drink of water other than a comedy spot? Yeah, like, very rare. Is something that has to happen for him to be able to proceed? Is he dehydrated? Does she know that? And she's maybe trying to help him. Maybe get him some Gatorade, some Powerade, some electrolytes. I don't know. But... What? Why? First of all, why? Okay. Why does Brandy come back out there? Second of all, why did she come out there to bring him a water? Like, she's... I don't get it. And then she, like, hands it to him. And then Darby takes it and just hits him over the head with it. Like, did you do all this for that crappy little spot? I don't know. It was bad. So that was all bad. And then, Matthew, take us through the ending of the match. I feel like you, you've, you've, you've waited long enough. Go, go ahead and take us through the ending of the match. All right. So... Brandy plays no part in the final part of this match. She came no, back. She's just, just out there writhing in pain. Yeah. No idea. No reason why. So basically Darby Allen went for like a middle rope springboard crossbody or something. I don't remember what it was, but Cody caught him, hit him with a lariat and then switched into a crossroads. And I'm like, all right, well that's, that's the end of that one, two kick out. And I'm like, all right, this doesn't make Darby look strong. It makes Cody look dumb because his finisher is just consistently getting kicked out of on regular TV. Yeah. He hit Sean Spears with two of them and they got kicked out of. So I'm like, okay, that's bad. That's yeah, very I, bad. I, for one, don't like the way the crossroads looks whenever it's even applied correctly. I don't think it's a good looking finisher. Yeah. So if he's using this to switch into another finisher, that'd be fine. But if he's playing on still using that, it's bad. 
Yeah, very bad. And so Cody's like, well, if I can't beat him with my own stuff, I want to beat him at his own game. So he goes to the top, and you think he's going to hit the moonsault because that's usually his top rope move. But no. He hits Darby Allen with a coffin drop. But then Darby moves. Darby goes to the top. No, no, no. Darby got his knees up. Excuse me. He goes to the top. He hits Cody with his finisher. And then instead of Cody selling it at all, he just rolls over into this weird-looking backslide and gets the three count. And I bury WWE for doing this all the time, for no-selling finishers and for, I hate the top rope. Oh, no, it's a surprise. Like, okay, if you're going to do this at a huge major show, fine. This is a regular TV tournament without any fans. This was, and I, I leaped out of my chair, I was so angry because I love AEW. I am a huge AEW mark. I think that's fair to say. And... I can't let this pass by. Cody and Brandy, who have done such a wonderful job with All Elite Wrestling, have got to stop this overbooked bullcrap. And this was the worst ending to a match I've seen in a long time. Now, you may say, what happens in WWE all the time? Yes, it does. But this matters. Darby Allen is an up-and-coming superstar. Kids are painting their faces like Darby. Everyone loves Darby. When you look at AEW's roster, you have former WWE guys, major independent names that were major in New Japan, Ring of Honor, and then you have one or two indie guys that no one's ever heard of that are getting over on their own, not because of a rub from someone else. Darby, although you can argue that he got over because of that draw with Cody, he has excelled and and brought himself higher than that because of his character, because he's unique, because he's talented. And this buried Darby Allen. It was the stupidest ending I have seen in ages, and by far, by far, not even close, the worst ending I've seen in all elite wrestling, period. So I heard about this, and I heard some people that were upset about it. But I also heard some people who were defending it, saying that the coffin drop wasn't like it may, I don't know if it was like cleanly hit or whatever, but that Cody at least just managed to shift his body weight and get this cradle. Is that what happened, or was it just like so he didn't completely no sell it? He just kind of turned his body, but it may as well have been a no sell. It makes Darby look like a geek because Darby got up thinking he had won even though Cody's shoulders weren't down and Darby's shoulders weren't down either, man. I watched it again. It didn't look like a clean pin. I think no, it was Aubrey, very Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey. Yeah. I think, I think oh, uh, Aubrey should have called an audible on that. Maybe she was fearful because Cody, I don't know. It was, it was dumb. Actually, Riley and I had to rewind it because we got done with it. And if Tony wouldn't have said anything, because like Jericho's like, Oh, Darby wins. Darby would Tony's like, no, no, I think Cody got the pin, even though it really didn't. And uh, so we rewound, and I was like, "That's yeah." That, we didn't really understand what's going on, even when we watched it. Um, and actually, so who's who's the one person everybody says that Darby Allen reminds them of? Jeff Hardy, right? He's got the face paint, yeah. high flyer. Who's the one person Cody is said to be rem- reminiscent of? Uh, Triple H, right? Yeah. Two thousand eight. Uh, was it No Mercy? Two thousand eight. 
I've done some research. 2008, No Mercy, Triple H versus Jeff Hardy had the same ending. Jeff Hardy put a swanton bomb onto Triple H. He no-sold it and rolled him up for a crucifix. Wow. And I don't know if they were going for that. Definitely not. There's no way. But actually, Triple H and Jeff Hardy did it better. I mean, yeah, Triple H no-sold it because he's Triple H, but uh, it looked better, and it wasn't confusing. Uh, you actually had Jeff Hardy struggling there f- for to get out of the pin. Darby was just laying there. And if it would have been something where, like, you know, they had this long 30-minute match, Darby just struggles to get up the rope, does the coffin drop, and he misses just a little bit, and Cody's able to roll him up. Maybe that's what they're going for. But Darby just jumped up there. He's obviously got plenty of energy. He's not drawn out. And, yeah, he just laid there. And I don't it, Matt, Matthew said everything. It's It was bad. It was a terrible finish. And definitely a low point for Cody and Darby. And a low point for AEW as far as match finishes go. It's fine, though, because the rest of this show was really, really good. So I think we should move on from the bad part and get on to the rest of it. Uh, after that match, we had a message from Scorpio Sky. It was a little bit like last time. You know, he was saying that he doesn't want to be the third guy in SCU. Uh, he wants to go on to not be good or great, but he wants to be in a bleeping legend. And they actually did uh, bleep him out there on TV because TNT can't say the F word. Uh, which was is pretty cool little promo. It's keeping Scorpio Sky in your mind again like last week. I thought it was odd to do two weeks in a row, so they must be building something for him in Double or Nothing maybe, uh, which would be fine. He's fantastic, and I look forward to seeing more of him, uh, even in a singles capacity if that's what they're doing. Uh after that, we had MJF providing an injury update. You know, last week he had his terrible, debilitating, career-threatening injury of his hangnail. But good news, he's rehabbed his injury. He saw his nail doctor, and he's never had a, cu- a recovery such as his. It's a miracle. He's now got the strongest nail in the world. And he's happy to be back on Dynamite, and has been working back to get in TV shape. But then... The unthinkable happened. He starts to choke up, and you see he's standing there with a neck brace. And he says that he injured his neck. And you know what I was waiting for? I was would have marked out so hard if he would have taken the neck brace off and had a neck tattoo. I would have loved it. It would have been perfect. It's not the way they went. It was still okay. He said he injured his neck. He said a normal man would have bled out and died, but he's a warrior, and he did it for us. It hurts because he was looking forward to hopping on a plane and, and wrestling in front of six, maybe even seven of his peers. But he will be back. And his injury, he cut himself shaving. I know, I know. We've seen injuries like this in the past and it's taken people out of their careers. But I have a feeling MGF's going to make a recovery and maybe we'll even see him back this week on Dynamite. Hopefully so. So our, our thoughts and prayers go out to MJF. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward for a full recovery for him. But yeah, that was, it was a really good promo. Uh, it was. It was basically the same thing as last week. It would have been a great promo if he had took it off the, taken off the neck brace and had a neck tattoo. Or maybe he he comes next week with a neck tattoo because Cody had the whole scarf thing on the uh, Comic-Con interview covering up the neck tattoo when he had it. Yeah. I would have loved it. After this, Wardlow commits capital murder on a jobber. <laughs> did. Uh, man, he's got this new thing. It's not really, I guess it's not a finisher because he didn't finish with it. Uh, he finished with the F-10. And, but he's got this thing where he like the guy's in the turnbuckle and you just like, it's like a go to sleep kind of thing where the guy just, he like pulls the guy down into his knee 
and like it was it was a shoot hit like the guy had to been hurt uh he was bleeding a little bit uh i i I watched it a couple times and there was definitely some serious contact it looks super deadly probably because it really is hopefully he can figure out how to do it a little bit more safely uh i don't know if it was on the other guy or on him but yeah it was a great move and it was a good little little jobber match uh after that we have our third installment, I believe it is, of the Bubbly Bunch. And there's a heated debate over who won last week's Flim Flam Challenge between Jericho and Sammy. Uh, Chris implores the Inner Circle to keep sharp during these times and suggests that maybe they should compete with each other. And he suggests a game that we've all heard of, we've all played, the Manitoba Melee. It was so good. So I guess this is a TikTok thing. Again, I don't know, I guess he gets these from his kids. Um, hopefully he's not on TikTok. He's a grown man and grown men should not be on TikTok. Uh, it's gross. There is basically, (laughs) there's like a video sequence of the inner circle and they like punch the camera and then it goes to the next guy and the next guy sells it. But it wasn't just the inner circle. It was like these hall of fame rock and roll legends. Cause obviously Chris, Chris Jericho is in that space. Lou Ferrigno was in it with a taser. Like what? Wait, I watched that and I told her, I was like, is that Lou Ferrigno? And she was like, yeah, we're, Lou talk- Ferrigno. we're sitting there watching it. Carol said, is that the Incredible Hulk? I said, that is the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> like, uh, I think uh, Corey Taylor was there. Um, the guy from Guns N' Roses was there. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. Um, Gabriel Iglesias. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those, um, Jay and Silent of- Bob. Yeah. 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 It, it was really cool. It was a cool little spot. Um, it was cool to have all these little celebrities on there. And it actually ended with Vicky Guerrero. Uh, they went to punch her, but she, what did she say? It wasn't excuse me. What was her other line? I don't know. Whatever. I don't remember. It ended with Vicky Guerrero and, and she didn't get punched, which is good because nobody wants to see Vicky Guerrero get punched in out of kayfabe at least. Um, but yeah, it was a really cool little video. Uh, always great. It's amazing how they can come up with these things every week and give us some little bit of entertainment in these current times. And next we have a very good match, in my opinion. Jimmy Havoc and Kip Savian versus the best friends in a street fight. Yep, it was very good. You're right. Man, they killed each other in front of, again, six or seven of their peers. Uh, we, yeah. were, we were talking about this before the show, some of these indie events. But, like, man, going out and killing yourself for 20 people. But there literally were no fans there. It was just all of their peers. And, gosh, they're just shortening their wrestling career <laughs> with matches like this. This is great. Uh, there were a lot of really good spots, but, uh, and, and I haven't always been a fan of Jimmy Havoc and his matches or even Kip Sabian in a lot of his matches, but, uh, I, I really liked them together in this match. And, and I think we're actually going to see some more of them as a tag team. Uh, I think they announced maybe they had a name. I don't, I don't know for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't remember what the name is, but they did announce yeah, one. A, a lot of stuff happened in this match. I really don't remember everything. Uh, Jericho is, is again, Jericho's on, on commentary. I should, should mention, uh, with Tony Schiavone. He's great as always. And he's talking about how terrible of a manager Orange Cassidy is. And, uh, and, and then Orange Cassidy does like this top rope move onto, uh, the other guys, whatever their tag team name is, Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc and, uh, saves the best friends. And then, uh, Tony Schiavone is like, yeah, what other manager could do that? And Chris Jericho goes, uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan. I was like, <laughs> what? Okay, whatever. 
Uh, but yeah, it, had a really, it was a really cool match. I was really glad to see Chuck Taylor get the win with the awful waffle. It's one of my favorite finishers in wrestling. He got it onto Jimmy Havoc onto a stack of chairs. I really like that move. It looks super devastating. I think maybe somebody's kicked out of it already in AEW, and I didn't love that. Um, but yeah, really good match. I was pleased with the end. Uh, and I think if we're going off the road to uh, Double or Nothing, they're actually building up to a Best Friends versus uh, TH2 match for Double or Nothing, which uh, will, will be interesting to see. It's a little weird that that's a pay-per-view match, but it'll obviously be a very good match because both guys are very talented. So yeah, uh, great match. One of my favorites of the night. And uh, I really enjoy, I think now is a really good time to really uh, get some new tag teams for them. Maybe they have such a diverse tag team division, but a lot of them are unable to be there in this geographic area. So putting Jimmy having Kip Sabian together was really good for the best friends. But yeah, after that, we have a, an all-time great promo from Britt Baker. Or vignette, I should say. Okay. You go into Britt Baker's dental office, and her makeup artist, artist uh, Reba, is there. And uh, she's basically, uh, it's just like a little behind the scenes into Britt Baker's life. And uh, we have a little talking head all of the office with Reba. And she's like, my name's not even Reba. It's, it's Rebel. <laughs> I, just, I just don't want to correct her. Yeah. <laughs> and like Britt Baker is talking to her, and she pulls her aside, and she's like, she she has uh, Reba Rebel talking uh, to the camera, like basically just uh, hyping her up, hyping uh, Britt up, and she pulls uh, Reba to the side and she's like, oh, "Well, actually, you need to refer to me as as Doctor Britt Baker when you address me. Uh, that's just a little rude for you to to do that." And then you go cut away, and then Reba's uh, doing just that, and she says, "It's a pleasure to do Britt Baker's makeup. She's always great." Yada yada yada. Uh, Baker's there in the office. She's got her little, uh, not a whiteboard. It's like the pieces of paper you flip over. And she says she's got the rules to being a role model. Uh, people who wear glasses, uh, you shouldn't wear glasses if you're not smart because otherwise, who are you fooling? Right. Uh, if you're fat, you can't be a role model. You need to suck in your gut when taking photos. Use filters, Photoshop whenever possible. And they like showed them photoshopping Tony Schiavone's gut. The whole thing is Tony Schiavone. It's great. I love the yep. Yeah, Tony Schiavone Britt Baker relationship. Uh, and finally, if you're Snaggletooth, don't smile. Don't draw unnecessary attention to it, and you can't be a role model. Uh, yeah, it was it was really good. Uh, the Tony Schiavone Britt Baker stuff is fantastic. I really like this little vignette. Really loving heel Britt Baker. She's doing a great job. Uh, and they go back to Tony, and, and Jericho's like, "What do you?" What do you feel about uh, Britt Baker's comments on you? He's like, I don't, my teeth don't look like that. That was photoshopped. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty funny. Yeah, great commentary as always this episode, which really makes all the difference. Uh, You can, I want to say that I can definitely tell going from SmackDown to AEW to to Raw, the commentary definitely makes a big difference and AEW is just knocking it out of the park. Uh, After that little vignette, we had Sean Spears versus Baron Black in a jobber match. Nothing really important happened uh, after that. The or the win was Sean Spears won with the sharpshooter. Uh, it said modified sharpshooter. It looked just like a sharpshooter to me. Yeah, it looked normal to me. Um, and actually, I had heard. I don't know if it's true, but the internet never lies. That Sean Spears actually called Brett and was like, "Hey," or messaged Brett, however, and like, "Hey, can I use the sharpshooter?" Which is kind of ridiculous because 
everybody and their mother has used a sharpshooter, but they're both Canadians. They both, you know, tend to wear pink. I think Sean Spears wears the, the Canadian pink pants as well. So, you know, he doesn't want to, doesn't want to seem like a ripoff, but uh, I guess he got his blessing. They called it a sharpshooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty, pretty good little jobber match. After that, we had not really a jobber match, but it was a squash match. Brody Lee versus Marco Stunt. Uh, Marco Stunt is so good. He really is. Uh, yeah, he is. He was one, uh, like everybody said when he first came in, really skeptical on how he's going to be great in AEW, but he really knocks it out of the park in this role, especially. Uh, it was a squash, but it actually was interesting. Uh, it was fun to watch. It wasn't as crazy as the Lance Archer. Like, he wasn't straight up murdered like he was with the Lance Archer squash match. But still, I mean, he came off, Brody Lee came off looking very strong. Uh, he won within minutes with a sit-out powerbomb. It was it was the way a squash match should be, in, in my opinion. And Marco Stunt is the perfect guy for that. Um, after that, we have a Moxley promo. And he reflects on his world title win eight weeks ago at Revolution and talks about, you know, the pandemic and all that and how that seems like years ago, which it really does. Uh, he thanks all the fans for staying home and being safe. He re- thanks, he reflects on things that he's thankful for, such as his wife, uh, such as DDTs on the steel chairs, a la his win over Jake Hager. Uh, he's thankful that AEW is live next week and he's still got a job to do. Uh, He's going to listen to some Metallica Head East on, in his truck, he said. So I guess he's not traveling in the Ford GT anymore. He's, I guess it's not quite practical for a coast-to-coast type of uh, drive. So he's taking Probably pretty expensive on gas. Yeah, not great. Not a lot of luggage room. Uh, also not really his. <laughs> um, but yeah, he'll be on AEW next week. He's preparing uh, for Double or Nothing. They've really got to do some quick buildup for his opponent for Double or Nothing, uh, for all of Double or Nothing, really. Uh, it's a shame that all of the buildup they wanted to do didn't get to do it, but I'm sure we'll still be entertained and it'll be worth our pay-per-view money, even if it is in front of no people. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them that. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, WrestleMania surprised us. I think Money in the Bank is going to be pretty interesting, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it, even if it doesn't have the, the months-long build that Revolution had. It'll still be... Still be good. Um, he talks about, uh, he, he tells everybody to stay healthy, support your local business by ordering takeout, tip an extra few bucks, and don't forget to call your grandmother. And that was hilarious. I popped that. It was so it was good. Uh, I don't know if that's like a thing that he's ever said, but it was it was good. I liked it. Not as far as I know. So yeah, they actually after afterwards announced, I had forgotten, uh, MJF is returning next week, and John Moxley is facing Frankie Kazarian. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be really good. And the one I'm most excited about, Les Sex Gods, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, versus Matt Hardy and Kenny Omega in a tag team street fight. Oh my gosh. It's a stacked show, yep. That is going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. I hope. I hope. It will be. It should be fantastic. I think a street fight is, first of all, a tag team with Kenny Omega is a perfect place to introduce Matt Hardy uh, in AEW. Uh, a street fight will also be very good. Uh, having him versus Chris will be very good. Obviously, they didn't get to do blood and guts uh, like they were expecting to, leading in a double or nothing. So this is, in my opinion, should be the next best thing. Yeah. It'll and be fantastic I, in one way or another. It will yeah. be. It will be. Uh, I'd be interested to see if broken Matt Hardy is going to come out or regular Matt Hardy. I think a street fight will be more for uh, the Hardy Boys Matt Hardy version, personally. But 
Maybe he'll know. tag. Uh, what's the uh, entity's name? Damascus or something like that. <laughs> yeah, he can maybe, tag. Maybe he'll tag him in. Yeah, man, they should have done that with one of these pre-taped shows. That would have been really entertaining. Yeah, actually, uh, and change his clothes and everything. That would be yeah. really interesting. Um, I mean, it would have been a lot better than the tele- terrible teleporting thing they did. <laughs> uh, afterwards, we have a match: Dustin Rhodes versus Lance Archer, the final semifinal for the AEW Championship. The winner of this match will go on to face Cody at Double or Nothing. Uh, and I didn't have a lot of expectations with this match, to be honest with you, because Lance Archer is kind of a brute. He kind of manhandles people, and I didn't know if Dustin was the perfect opponent for that. He's really big, and not only that, but Dustin's not really a... I mean, he's he's not a young whippersnapper to get thrown around anymore. Uh, he's not a Darby Allen or Marco Stunt that can just get bumped like crazy, but this turned out to be a really good match. Yeah, it um, did. Some of my favorite spots, you know, Archer just destroyed Dustin for most of this match. There was a couple spots where Dustin got a little bit of offense, but basically Archer just just smiled it off. Every time he'd come at him, he'd punch him. Archer would just smile. He came off of a bit of a, uh, what's the word, masochist? Yeah. Yeah, a bit of a masochist in the situation, which is, you know, I would consider most wrestlers probably are. Um. And he ends up just just laying it on Dustin. He, Dustin, of course, does the Dustin thing where he bleeds. And oh my gosh, it was not quite Cody versus Dustin level, but man, he, he was he was in bad shape. It came down to the point where Cody actually comes out with the towel, a la MJF and and, and Cody situation, and Dustin refuses, says he's not going to do it. Uh, Archer continues to assault him. He's slamming his head into the mat. One of the really cool ma- uh, spots in the matches was uh, Dustin like starts to come back into consciousness, and Archer is just like standing there above him. So he just like scoots back, running away like a scared puppy. It was so good, very horror movie esque. Uh, really good match. It told a really good story. It's a really long match. I want to say it was like twenty minutes long, maybe. Yeah, it was. It was a lot longer than I was expecting it to yeah, be. Yeah, me as well. Actually, when they started the match, I told Riley, I was like, oh, they must do something after this match because there's like twenty five minutes left." There's, there's no way Dustin's putting on a 25-minute match on an empty arena TV show, but he did, and it was yeah. really good. Uh, but yeah, uh, Archer just kills him. He slams his head into the mat. He, he just, he's just straight-up murdering Dustin Rhodes. Um, I'm glad that he didn't put his career on the line for this one because it would have been over. It might be over anyways, the way he looked after this match. But uh, yeah, Archer ends up coming with a pin. He did not do his finisher that I recall. Do you recall him doing his finisher? Uh, he didn't do that reverse, uh, that reverse razor's edge. edge. No. Yeah. We were thinking that he probably wouldn't. Uh, he did not, which makes it just like slammed his head into the ground a bunch of times. Yeah, He just beat him down and it came off really well. It told a really good story. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I guess we've got Cody versus Archer for the TNT championship, which I think was the most obvious choice, which is why I didn't pick it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that Archer comes off with the win on that. Uh, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, either way, I won't be too too disappointed. But, yeah, looking forward to that match at Double or Nothing. It should be very good. But, yeah, that's that's your AEW show this week. Uh, other than the first match, a very good show. Probably their second best empty arena show. Maybe their best. I'd say probably still. No, the first, the first one first was the one, best. The first one was the best, in my opinion. Uh, I think it's a solid A this week, really. Well, maybe an A- minus because the first match. I'm going to give it an okay. A- minus because the first match attracted so much for me. But the rest of it was so good. Very good vignettes, very good promo work, uh, really good uh, uh, tag team match, 
really good uh, final match. But yeah, I, I I really enjoyed all of it except for the first match. And uh, what what did what did you think of the overall show? Well, I thought the overall show was really good, but let's let's talk about something else actually because I want both of your opinion on something. And Kyle, I know you didn't watch all of AEW this week, but I don't think that really matters. Um, but yeah, if I'm going to grade it, I'm going to say probably a B plus. It was really good. Didn't let the jobber the jobber match was fine. I just don't like jobber matches, and there were a couple of them. And the opener was uh, the ma- I liked the match, even though you didn't. Um, I hated the finish though. Finish was stupid. A lot of stupid things happening in it. But you know, Cody and Darby are just good, so I was fine with the match itself. Um, I want to talk about this TNT Championship and what happens if Cody wins. So, uh, Micah, I'll let you start, and Kyle, you can tell me if you agree with what he says or not. If Cody had this big thing about the fans said that he shouldn't win the world title, so he'll never do it. So now he's going for what is essentially the Intercontinental title, and he's wrestling Lance Archer. Now, Lance Archer has has been made out look like a monster. He is brought in, specifically immediately targeted Cody. No one's really been able to touch him. If Cody beats him even by roll-up, does that make Cody look bad, Micah? Uh, In my opinion, it does. Uh, Lance Archer has been built so highly that if Cody beats him, barring some sort of heel work from Cody, which I would be for personally, uh, I I think it would look ridiculous, um, and it would look bad on Cody because he's 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 going to get the title eventually. But and and you you could have the argument that Cody will bring prestige to the TNT title. He's a known name. He's the top babyface of the company. If he has a good reign with it, it'll seem important. But, man, who's going to take it off Lance Archer if he gets it? I think he would build it up just as well. I'm, I'm all in with Lance Archer. He's very, very scary dude. Uh, and if Lance Archer loses to Cody, like, he loses a lot of his shine for me. So I, I don't think it would be a good idea for Cody to beat him. It would have to be some sort of... Uh, again, probably overbooked thing, and I don't know. I don't. I don't want Cody to beat him. I don't think Cody will. Uh, if Cody does, I think it'll only be so. Maybe Lance Archer could go for the actual title against uh, John Moxley. That would be a really good uh, feud. But yeah, I don't. I don't think it would look good for Cody to book himself to win this title either. Uh, just like the Bucks with the tag team titles, they know, like. I, I, I say that I don't want them the EVPs to book yourself too weak, but I don't want them to book themselves into the first reign of a big title they're coming yeah. up with. That's my thing. You can have them lose to Archer and then beat him down the road. That would be okay. But uh, I'm not okay with him cleanly beating Archer at double or nothing. Uh, I mean, I don't necessarily think it makes him look bad because, I mean, people still like Cody. So it's not like, you know he doesn't have a history of just like burying everybody. And I mean, he does have some parallels to like triple H right now, but I, I don't think the fans would turn on him uh, that quickly. And it's not like, uh, I mean, maybe if it was Darby in the finals and people really wanted to see him win, or if it was somebody they were clamoring to get the win and Cody buried them. That's one thing, but I, I don't know. Like, Plus, there's not fans in the crowd, so it's not like he's going to get like a bunch of boos from you know like a Roman Reigns reaction or something. So, to answer your question, I don't think it would be so bad if Cody wins this, but I really don't think he's going to. I think the plan all along is to uh, put Archer over. I mean, he's talked about you know taking out Cody from the jump. I think there you know Cody's there to help people get over. 
Uh, and I think he beat Darby in this tournament simply to set up him versus Archer. So he could, you know, so he could put him over in the, the last match really. And, and they are the two biggest stars, you know, probably aside from Darby that are in this tournament. So it makes sense for them to end up going against each other in the final. So uh, I think he's there to lose to Archer, to put him over and maybe Darby will, you know, be the one to go up against Archer later down the road. But uh, I, I just don't foresee Cody being the guy to beat him here. Okay. That makes, that makes sense. I just, I'm a big fan of Cody and I'm okay with him winning the world title at some point. I just don't want him to say, I'm not going to win the world title and then go and immediately win the very next singles title that comes out. I just don't really like that idea, but I, I agree with you though. I don't think he will. I think Lance Archer's winning the tournament, but I suppose we'll see in just a couple of weeks. So let's, uh, we spent a lot of time on dynamite. Let's move over to some smack down and some WWE Kyle. Yeah, and I just want to say before, it's kind of bridging the gap between Dynamite, uh, AEW, and WWE SmackDown because uh, apparently uh, the next guest on the uh, Chris Jericho podcast are going to be the Revolt, former SmackDown tag team champions and tag team uh, or SmackDown tag team uh, superstars, uh, possibly soon to be AEW tag team superstars, uh, the Revolt. Former Revival are going to be Jericho's next guest on his Wednesday show. I can't show. wait to listen to that. I'm so excited. So yeah, that's going to be yeah, pretty I was, awesome. I was telling Matthew, I hope they don't debut this Wednesday for them yeah. to be going on Friday. Yeah. Which is kind yeah. of the thing they tend to do. But maybe, uh, maybe. I hope not because I don't, want to, I don't want another debut on empty arena shows, man. I mean, I know we don't know when shows are coming back, but they're running out of people to add to actually get a good pop. Yeah, so I don't know. They'll, they'll probably hold them off for a It'll, while, either especially because be we don't know where their traveling is and stuff like that. I think they live in Florida, but still, yeah, uh, I'd probably good. keep them off. But nevertheless, uh, it's time to move to WWE SmackDown this week. Uh, this show, <laughs> just it's it's pretty bad. I mean, they got the lowest rating they've had, you know, on Fox this week. Just not a great show. Um, but anyway, uh, basically, it's uh, SmackDown on Friday, May 1st. Uh, basically, the final spots are going to get filled for the Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, Otis versus Ziggler and Mandy versus Carmella are the qualifying matches. We're also going to have Daniel Bryan versus Baron Corbin. Uh, and they've already qualified for the Money in the Bank match, but obviously Corbin and Nakamura and Cesaro beat up Bryan and took out Drew Gulak last week. So now Bryan's going to get revenge. And then New Day taking on Forgotten Sons in a non-title match, which is, spoiler alert, not the first tag team non-title match uh, that's going to happen on this week in WWE, but we'll get into more of that. Uh, the show opens with Daniel Bryan coming to the ring. He notes uh, that he competed, or that this year he's going to compete in the most unique Money in the Bank match in history, obviously explaining the wacky rules of this um this match where they have to scale Titan towers, the WWE headquarters and uh, all competitors have to climb to the top of the building to retrieve the briefcases. So this is, it's going to be a wacky match guaranteed. Uh, Brian does talk about taking the elevator straight to the top, which is a pretty smart strategy. Uh, but he also knows that he won the money in the bank match and he cashed in on big show when he uh, won his championship. Uh, he said that he was hoping that he'd get to compete against Gulak in this year's match, but it's not happening because of 
uh, Corbin last week. So he called him out for their match. Corbin comes out. He shows footage of the attack from last week and points out that he also won Money in the Bank before and promised that this year he will stand tall uh, after he wins the match, looking down on Brian and all of his subjects. Brian then asks Corbin uh, what he's going to do if he wins because last time he screwed up his chance. Uh, points out that he was like four out of 20-something competitors to not cash in success- successfully, but uh, he said that doesn't make Corbin a king. It just makes him a loser. Uh, Corbin does say things are different now. He's stronger and smarter. He calls Brian desperate for hire- hiring Gulak as a coach, and he's going to prove it right now uh, to Daniel Bryan. So they had their match. Uh, very similar in strategies, I guess, in story of last week's Corbin and Gulak match uh, to where Corbin like slowed down the pace of the match. Daniel Bryan has some like, you know, map based submissions. He focused on some leg kicks and like focused on Corbin's legs throughout the match. Corey Graves also on commentary agreed that Baron Corbin is now smarter and better than he was back in 2017 when he won the money in the ba- uh, brief money in the bank briefcase. Uh, but he was only a baron then, but now he's a king. So whatever. <laughs> so Brian, he's able to gain control of the match. He, he used a lot of mat wrestling and leg kicks, like I said. Uh, Corbin was able to toss him the floor, push him shoulder first into the uh, ring post, so he kind of hurts his shoulder. So Corbin works on Brian's shoulder throughout the match. Uh, he hits him with this uh, ring post clothesline attack, but Brian um, – well, he hits him with it, and uh, he gets a near fall. Uh, he, he continues to work on Brian's shoulder. He goes for it again, but Brian counters it and hits a suicide dive. Brian attacks his legs some more, rocks him with a kick for a near fall. Uh, Brian hits some running drop kicks in the corner, but uh, Corbin counters it with a deep six for a near fall. They fought the outside. Brian hits a wicked kick to the head. It sounded really cool. And then after like 20 minutes of them going at it, like this long match, like went through a commercial, like was it one or two commercial breaks? It was a long match. I think it was two. I think it was, but it was like a pretty decent match going on between these guys. Like, like I said, it was very similar to the Gulak Colbert match last week, which is also good, but it's Daniel Bryan. Out of nowhere, Corbin just grabs one of the ladders that's on the outside, throws it into Daniel Bryan, and the ref calls for the DQ. And I just threw up my hands. And I was like, what a waste. Like, yeah, you can't have one of these guys win before, like, had like Nakamura and Cesar run out and distract the ref and then let Corbin hit him with a ladder and beat him or let Dana Ryan win. Why does this have to be a DQ, especially after like 15, 20 minutes of a pretty decent match? Like, it was like, I literally just said, like, what a waste. Like, so anyway, after the match, Corbin, yeah, well, not only that, after the match, the ref comes out. Corbin's pissed at him and yelling at him. He's like, that's not a DQ. <laughs> so the ref's like, yes, it is. They're arguing. So Corbin gets mad, throws a ladder into the ring. He tries to hit a deep six onto the ladder, but Brian counters it into a belllock also on top of the ladder, which uh, similar to how Paige used to put people in the um, her submission move on top of the announce table, and Cole would like talk about it like it was much more devastating. The same thing here. Apparently, the little bellock sitting on top of the ladder is much more devastating to Corbin. <laughs> I when I was watching this match, I'm like, "There's no way that this doesn't end. That that there's not a winner, right? There has to be a winner. This has gone too long. If they were going to do a disqualification, they would have just done it already. I was wrong, and I was also very, very upset. And not even a build to it, like 
like he took the turnbuckle padding off or something and you know like nothing he just grabbed a ladder and just threw it into brian it's just like yep. yep dq it's over like it was so anticlimactic it was like they did it they booked an entire match with a finish and they're like oh we can't have a finish just throw the ladder into him yeah <laughs> like it, it, uh yeah horrible but nevertheless daniel bryan you know had him in the label lock but nakamura and cesaro ran out to make the save the heels beat Brian down, uh, hit him with ladders. Corbin took Brian up the top of the stage and threw him off the stage into the setup ladders that were like on the ground. So the heels stood tall. Uh, it was a waste of a match, but whatever. So they're going to fight again at Money in the Bank, I guess. Uh, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's guaranteed to be crazy for sure. But And speaking of crazy, uh, Braun Strowman's walking in the back. He's he's showing talking to Alexa Bliss. She gives him a T-shirt, which is not like nowhere near his size. I don't know if she saw Sasha give this small size shirt to Tamina a couple weeks ago and thought this was a good idea, but uh, <laughs> Strowman just used it to wipe his sweat off and gave it back to Bliss, which is probably the only use that could come out of this t- this T-shirt for him. Uh, he comes out to the ring. He notes that uh, they got to take a look at his history with Bray last week. Uh, he's quickly interrupted by the Firefly Funhouse theme music. And Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt tells him, it's story time. He's going to read him the true story of a book called The Black Sheep. And here at uh, WrestleLife Radio, we like to uh, give you the facts straight. So I am going to read you the entire transcript <laughs> of The Black Sheep. Here we go. That's a very Kyle thing to do. I mean, I'm a professional, so we're, we're going we're gonna to read the entire tr- transcript here. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a black sheep. And he looks like, and he points at Braun, you. <gasps> Kids gasp. <laughs> he was big and he smelled a little funny. But he was stronger than every other animal on the farm. The good shepherd, who was very smart and handsome and had a ton of sweet muscles, noticed the black sheep wandering alone. And he took him into his home. Aww. Now the shepherd, he raised the black sheep and taught him, taught him well. And in return, the black sheep protected the shepherd's farm. They had a lot of fun together. But one day, the, shelf, the selfish black sheep left in search of greener pastures. Boo! He didn't say thank you or goodbye. He didn't even leave a note. The shepherd was very sad. Aww! Why would you leave me? He cried after everything I've done for you. But his, his cries fell on deaf ears and eventually all his other animals abandoned him as well. The shepherd was alone to make matters worse. The government placed a lien on the shepherd's property and he lost his entire farm. Then the the reptilians came and they took over because that's what reptilians do. The end. (laughs) So, uh, that was the black sheep. Sold on a bookstore near you, Barnes and Noble, if that still exists, uh, Amazon, Kindle, you can probably find it on there. But uh, after reading this, Bray admits that this was quite a sad ending. So he opts to create a happier ending for everybody. He said, this will be an ending where the shepherd finds the black sheep, takes what matters to him most, meaning bronze title, and takes him to the slaughterhouse. But then bronze stops him, he interrupts him, and he says, I'm done with it, puppets. And the fun house. So he tells Brian to come to the ring and face, you know, face him man to man. So Bray just stares quietly at him for a second. And he starts waving. 
He says goodbye. So that was the Firefly Funhouse segment for this week. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was, I mean, the story was fine. A little weird. But uh, yeah, it was fine. It was a fine little segment. No puppets or anything. So uh, it, it just happened. Uh, but we did get promised later in the show that next week we'll, we will have a one-on-one face-off between Braun and Bray. So I'm sure the Fiend will show up. After this, we got Sheamus versus Leon Ruff. He was another jobber. And uh, Sheamus promptly killed him. Like, just beat the crap out of this poor guy. Hit him with a bro kick. Uh, after he beat him, the referee checked on signs of life for uh, from this geek. And then uh, Sheamus got in Cole's face, asked him about Jeff Hardy. Coleman noted that he was going to look at Jeff Hardy's comeback next week. Uh, this TV producer must hate Sheamus or uh, Michael Cole because he keeps <laughs> hey, it's Michael Cole. He keeps booking the segment right uh, after Sheamus matches. So then we get Jeff Hardy chapter four the comeback. Uh, basically, the video package covered Hardy's knee injury in 2019 uh, and his upcoming return. Uh, showed him on WWE backstage announcing he was coming back. They also looked at highlights of his career, his most spectacular moments. It was a good bit video package. Uh, then Cole announced that Jeff Hardy will indeed return next week. Uh, then Seamus was just standing behind him as he made the announcement. And then he got in his face and promised that he will be here next week as well to welcome Jeff Hardy back. So uh, so Seamus and Jeff Hardy, something's going to happen next week. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, then we had Kayla in, her, in the back interviewing Mandy and Otis. Uh, stated that Otis is taking on Dolph Ziggler later, uh, to which Otis said, oh, yeah. Kayla then also noted that last time they fought was at WrestleMania. Otis says, oh, yeah. She then asked Otis, will you bring the same winning strategy that you had at WrestleMania to your match tonight? Otis just said, I promise to be Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> tonight, I'll be at WrestleMania for my beautiful Peach Mandy. So then uh, Kayla turns to Mandy and says, uh, I know you're concerned about your best friend, Sonia, but Mandy's quick to correct her and say, she's my former best friend. She said that Sonia did hurt her, but she's actually looking uh, forward to her match with Carmella tonight. Says she's going to win and then win Money in the Bank for Otis. And then she gives Otis a kiss on the cheek, making him say, oh, yeah. And then Mandy heads to the ring. So uh, Otis channeling his inner Kool-Aid man in the segment uh, in every form or fashion. So then we get Mandy versus Carmella. <laughs> I actually loved everything about this except the match. I mean, if you take the match, I mean, it wasn't a good match. And honestly, it probably was never meant to be a good match because Mandy basically just had control early and Sonia like immediately came out. So Sonia's music hits. She comes out and stands on stage. And I actually like this because she cuts a promo. Uh, and Mandy just like isn't like distracted like all the other dumb baby faces in the past. <laughs> Kevin right. Owens. She just keeps wrestling. She's like, all right, I'm just going to ignore this girl. I'm just going to keep doing my job. And she actually continues having the match uh, while Sonia just cutting this promo. And Sonia does a great job. She points out that this time last year, she gave up her money in the bank spot for Mandy, an actual callback to something that happened in the past that is now yeah. coming to fruition. I cannot believe it. She knows that despite this, uh, even to her assisting Mandy, trying to carry her up the ladder last year, Mandy still managed to lose the match and basically called her a loser saying, you know, she's you know probably going to lose to Carmella too. 
Uh, Mandy kept wrestling, regained the control, but then Sonya, she basically had control until Sonya threatened to come down in the ring, which then finally took uh, Mandy's attention away because, hey, this girl's coming down in the ring saying she's going to you know, intervene, so obviously you would turn her attention. Uh, but then Carmella turned her around, super kicked her, and picked up the win. So, yeah. With a super kick. Yeah. I mean, like I said, every part of the match was no good, but the segment I, I thought was fine. And I thought Sonya did great as well. So, uh, so Carmella wins. She qualifies for the women's money in the bank. Sonya then runs down after the match, hits Mandy with a big knee, like a V trigger to the gut. She's, you know, lays some ground and pound, tosses Mandy to the outside, then tosses her into the ring post, then uh, into the steps. And then she's like kneeling in front of the steps. She knees her again from behind, drives her into the steps. She's officially gone psycho. So Sonya's standing tall here, um, you know, beating up Mandy. Uh, and then we sh- we get uh, Mandy in the trainer's room after um, a break. She's getting checked out. Otis comes in to check on her to make sure she's okay. She's they, They're focusing on her leg. She's got a scrape on her leg. I mean, it's a visual scrape. But she, like, she got kneed and, like, her body got pounded in the face, drove into the steel steps, like, by her face. But her knees was hurting, so whatever. Uh, Otis ran into Ziggler outside who uh, wanted – he, Ziggler also wanted to check on Mandy, but Otis just like stared at him in anger. So Otis is still like mad at Dolph, who hasn't shown like any real form of like being a dick here. He's just, you know, trying to check on Mandy. So whatever. Right. Uh, but Otis is still hates him for some reason. Even though we, we know this is like Sonya behind the whole thing. He still hates Dolph. But anyway. After this, we got the non-title match between the Forgotten Sons with Jackson Riker versus the New Day. The best part of this was Miz and Morrison on commentary. Uh, John Morrison is the best. Uh, Miz brought up Tots, which I have no idea what that is. Apparently, it's some kid show that his little baby daughter's watching. <laughs> Morrison mistook him for uh, Tater Tots, and which I mean, that's what I thought he was talking about. And uh, Miz is like, no, my daughter watches it. And Morrison was like, oh, I thought you were talking about tater tots because you love carbs so much. <laughs> so he's basically roasting the Miz on his diet and workout routine. Miz says uh, that he's gluten. He's like, hey, man, I'm gluten free. And Miz says, well, you're also exercise free. Like, just he was so great in this whole segment. Yeah. Back to the match. New Day, they had the advantage early. They were double teaming uh, Cutler. Biggie hit a big splash on the apron. And uh, New Day kept control until Cutler pushed Biggie to the floor and Blake hit a dive on him. Then the heels basically isolated Biggie and got the heat. He made the hot tag to Kofi finally. He ran wild, hit a boom drop, uh, tried to set up for Trouble in Paradise, but Blake uh, distracted him. So Cutler hit a backbreaker and got a near fall. Kofi fought, fought back, sends both of the sons on the outside, tags in Biggie, who tossed Kofi uh, outside on both of them. Kofi throws in Cutler. They set it for the midnight hour, but Blake makes a save. Biggie goes for the spear, gets thrown to the outside. Riker intervenes when the referee is distracted. Throws Biggie into the post. The Suns hit the reverse DDT footstop on Kofi Kingston, and they pick up the win. And like I said, spoiler alert, this is not the first time that we're going to talk about a tag team beating the tag team champions in a non-title match. No, it's not. And I hated this very, very much because the Forgotten Sons were jobbers in NXT and then they get brought up because Triple H has nothing to do with them and, oh, they have a decent look. Oh, they were former Marines. Let's push that. And then they get an immediate win over the eight-time and current tag team champions. Really stupid. Yeah. So, hey, I will say in defense, 
that have been winning ever since they made their, their debut. And they definitely weren't in some stupid carpool, carpool karaoke segment a week before this. So they at least have that going for them. Also, Miz started a You Deserve a Chant at Kofi for losing at uh, after the yep. end of the match, and Miz joined, joined in. So yes, John Morrison uh, was definitely the best part of this segment. He's so good. I love him. So I can't wait for him to kill the Miz and break apart from him. <laughs> so uh, after this, Corey Graves and Michael Cole announced that the men and women's Money in the Bank matches are not only taking place at Titan Towers and going throughout the entire building for the superstars to scale up and retrieve the brief- briefcases from the top of the building. If that's not crazy enough, they announced this year both matches are taking place simultaneously. So this will be utter chaos. Uh, which I'm sure is what they're trying to do to get people to watch this, but I have no idea what to think about this. It's going to be crazy. Uh, but yeah, so both men and women's money, in the bank matches will be taking place at the same time and they're going to rip this building apart. So can I, can I make a confession? Sure. I am a huge AEW mark. I am more excited about money in the bank than double or nothing because of this. It is just so wacky and so ridiculous. I can't wait to see it. And they've already taped it supposedly. So they Really? Yeah, they've already taped it. So um and spoiler alert, nobody died. Nobody got thrown off the top of the building. That that we know of. And now somebody made a promise on Monday as we'll learn shortly that somebody might get thrown off. So that's still a possibility, I guess, but no real deaths happened as we know it. So uh but uh yeah, it's going to be crazy. I I'm also intrigued by it for sure. I don't know if I'm looking forward to it, but I'm intrigued, so we'll see. Okay. Then uh, we had Kayla in the back who interviewed Tamina. She immediately got jumped by Sasha and Bailey. Uh, then Lacey joined in. Well, that's not that's not entirely true. Sasha was like Tamina. After all we've been through, can't we just be friends? And then Bailey jumps her, and Sasha immediately attacks her afterwards. Yeah, but who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> they ju- yeah, they jumped. Lacey joined in. They all fought, and they. The officials came and broke it up. So just a family friendly reminder too. after you're seeing all these people in this shot, uh, you know, trying to break up this silly fight between these people. We're in a global pandemic. <laughs> just want to throw that out there. And this is uh, happening on our TVs. So then we uh, have our main event segment. Uh, we actually, before the match, Ziggler's in the back talking to Sonya. He says that people think he's the bad guy, but he's actually just a winner. He guaranteed to win the match tonight and to win money in the bank. So he can make sure Mandy feels better after Sonya's done with it, done with her. <laughs> it's like how romantic. Uh, it was super creepy. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, it was a good promo though. He did a good job. And this is the first instance of like Ziggler actually not being a normal person and like being a yeah. jerk. So at least they did that. I mean, up until this point he had been like an innocent person in Otis look like the bad guy, but at least they did something to kind of make him look. Well, mostly innocent. I mean, he was part of that text messaging thing. And like, so my, when earlier in the, in the show, when I, Dolph is, so like, if I had a chance to date Manny Rose and all I had to do was collude with Sonya and screw over Otis. <laughs> I'd probably do it too. <laughs> so when Dolph is checking with Otis and he's like, is Mandy okay? I'm like, see, honey, he just cares about her. And she's like, no, uh-uh. we still hate him because he was all part of this thing with Sonya and he doesn't really care about her. I'm like, of course he does. Look. And then later on the show, he's like, I'm going to make her feel better. <laughs> and she's like, see, I'm like, yeah, you're right, honey. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Yep. So 
Now Ziggler's the bad guy. So we, right. we have the qualifying match in the main event of the show, Otis versus Dolph Ziggler. Not a great match. <laughs> it was fine. Uh, Ziggler charged Otis at the beginning, which is a terrible idea. Immediately, like, ate a shoulder tackle. Otis was in complete control until, guess what? He misses a charge and runs into the ring post. Yeah, that's what the big guys do in WWE. So <laughs> Ziggler threw him in the ring, gained control of the match. Tried to slow the pace down with headlocks and the typical WWE heel stuff. Uh, Otis was able to fight out and break the hold. Otis fires up, pushes Dolphin into the corner, attempts a caterpillar, but Ziggler uh, rolled on the apron. He poked Otis in the eye and hit a zigzag, but only managed to get a near fall. So Otis kicked out of the zigzag. Ziggler then set up for the super kick, which I guess is his new finishing move. Uh, but Otis caught him, threw him across the ring, hit a caterpillar, which... He could barely jump for. Actually, he didn't even jump really. Yeah. He just fell out of it. And yep. he picked up the win here. So Otis is qualified for the uh, Money in the Bank match. Uh, I love Otis. But my God, this dude was blown up by the end of this match. Yeah, he, he was. He has got to work on his cardio. He could probably lose a little weight. Are you too. telling me Otis doesn't have the best cardio on the roster? <laughs> that man is pure cardio energy. <laughs> yeah, he's, he looks he's, like he runs marathons on the weekends for fun. And I would guess, I mean, I know they've taped it, but even if it was like a live match or whatever, I would guess uh, if they had this real money in the bank match, Otis would probably be resting throughout most of the match. He'd probably get most of the rest spots. But uh, yeah, so Otis is the fall, the final qualifying superstar from SmackDown. Uh, and then, like I said, next week we'll ha- oh uh, next week we'll have a face off between Strowman and Wyatt. We also got announced that Brian and Gulak and a mystery partner will take on Corbin, Cesaro, and Nakamura. Lacey and uh, Tamina will go up against Sasha and Bailey in a tag match. Jeff Hardy will make his return and just recently announced Sonya and Mandy are going one-on-one. So the show this week was, it was just kind of boring. Like it had the one good match with Brian and uh, Corbin, but it just ended in a DQ. The Sonya segment was, I liked it for the most part, but like I said, the match was nothing right holding about. The um, the main event wasn't great. It just happened. Otis got blown up. Uh, the tag match was fine, but like like you said, it, you know, the tag team champions just lost clean to these guys, basically. Uh, I mean, the highlights that showed for me were Morrison on commentary, the tag match until the, you know, the end basically, and Sonya Deville and Mandy. Their, their, you know, little segment. So it was fine, but it's just boring. And it drew the lowest ratings that SmackDown's had on Fox this week. Uh, they dropped in like all the demographics. They lost to like shows like the Blue Bloods. Like just yeah. not, and yeah, these, these, you know, performance center shows have been death for, you know, the WWE television shows. Yeah, I 100% agree. And AEW and NXT have both had. Everything's dropped. Lacking ratings. Yeah, everything's dropped. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just wrestling. So, uh, which I thought they would do really well since there's no actual, you know, professional sports on TV, but I was incorrect with that, that, uh, that guess. It's, it's not really, obviously the ratings are, I think the ratings are going to go up. I mean, it's not a guarantee, but I would think the ratings are going to go back to normal once life goes back to normal and we get fans in the arenas and all this stuff. Even if it's like, I mean, the NFL is talking about doing like 
1,500 fans in the stadium. So I think WWE could probably get away with having some fans, uh, you know, in the near future. But uh, so I think ratings will go up and everybody's kind of suffering, but they're really handicapped by not only having to do these no fan, you know, shows, but they can't, I feel like they, they'd have a more entertaining show and would be able to do more if they had like complete roster freedom. I think they, they're kind of restricted by, you know, I mean, they, they don't have somebody like Roman Reigns every week because obviously he wants to stay healthy and alive and yeah. like, they just can't have everybody there at the same time. So it's, it's hard to blame them, but at the same time, like, they don't help themselves by putting on a 20 minute match with Brian and Corbin, which is actually not bad. And then blowing it with a DQ finish. So yeah. I, I, at one point I say, I can't blame them. And then I blame them. So <laughs> I don't know. It, it's AEW's proved it's not impossible to have a bad show with these things, but yeah, SmackDown's not doing themselves any favors. So if I had to grade the show this week, I'd probably give it like a C minus. It just wasn't great. It was kind of boring. It wasn't horrible, but it just happened. Yeah, I agree. I watched most of the show. To be honest, I might have snoozed through a little bit of it yeah. just because I wasn't really being entertained. So I kind of went in and out in some of the show, some of the matches, and it just, I don't know. I just, less than mediocre, really? Yeah. I love the opening match, man. It was really good. I'm like, there's no way they DQ this. And they just, out of nowhere. Yeah. Stupid. Totally. Really stupid. Yeah. Didn't like it. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to pay some bills, and then we'll be right back with a Raw review. And uh, I can't wait to tell you about the rating for the Raw review because it hit, it set a record. And ladies and gentlemen, it wasn't a good one. Be right back. And we're back. So I teased you guys a little bit with the Raw rating. And Raw this week drew 1.68 million viewers. That is the lowest Monday Night Raw of all time. Not just in the modern era, guys. Of all time. Back in the day when they were just trying to break through. All time. So, Micah and Kyle, before we get into Raw, Kyle, I'm going to let you give your thoughts first, as Micah did last time. Is this just the coronavirus? Because we know SmackDown's down, AEW and NXT are down, all television's down, really, except for the news. Is just this just the coronavirus, or is there something bigger at stake? I mean, I think it's mainly coronavirus, but, I mean, yeah, like I said, the these into arena shows obviously has had an effect on everybody. It's it's not just Raw. It's been SmackDown, AEW Dynamite, NXT. They've all gone down, and most you know every television show has gone down. But at the same time, I don't like. It's not like Raw. It, part part of the problem is still three hours. So you're asking, excuse me, you're asking people to commit three hours every Monday, other time to watch. I mean, SmackDown two hours on Friday is hard enough. So yeah. doing it for an extra hour on Monday, it's, it's just a tough, tough ask. And it's it's getting harder for people to tune in. And they're not great shows. So I don't blame people for dropping off the way they have. Yeah, I think it mainly boils down to why would you watch it right now, really? Every episode seems like filler. 
They're not entertaining. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. Obviously, everyone has dropped. NXT, AEW has dropped. Other TV shows have dropped. But it's just not good. If I wasn't doing this show, I wouldn't ever... I wouldn't be tuning in at all. Right. It's just, it's just not good shows. Um, they've had one or two that have been really good. But, I mean, you can watch the clips on YouTube the next day and get the good 10 minutes. Right. So, I, I think it boils down to they're just not entertaining. I don't think they've quite figured out... I mean, obviously, WrestleMania was pretty good. Um, and, and they've done some good stuff with the no uh, fan shows. But Raw and SmackDown every week just haven't haven't been entertaining. They also have to no. fill seven hours every week. Like they, uh, I mean, It's not like it's the same people doing it, though. Yeah. They have different writers. It's not like one guy's doing seven hours. I would, I would be more in line with saying they have to do five hours. Um, I think maybe Raw and SmackDown have some crossover. I don't think anybody involved with Raw and SmackDown is involved with NXT, as far as my understanding. Um, but yeah, I don't... I wouldn't tune in. And I don't with cable because I don't have cable, so my view is not on there. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's mainly what it is. It's just not interesting. There's no reason to tune in. Yeah, which and I kind of which sucks oh, sorry, because ahead. Drew McIntyre deserves much better than that. I mean, it's not like people are blaming him or anything, but he yeah. might get some of the blame because he's the champion and he's supposed to be. But but he's been for me the best part of these shows on one hundred percent. Yeah, and. It's a shame that like it's happening. It's very similar to like the days when Brett and Sean were, you know, the main event and Diesel, I mean Diesel was there, but uh but someone like Bret Hart finally got to be champion and it was like one of their lowest like it was probably like, you know, one of their lowest years in the company history was around when he was champion. Uh, obviously yeah. the Stone Cold thing happened and it started ramping up, but still like he didn't really get to enjoy being on top as much, I think as it was kind of a stressful time, but that's, you know, when the WCW talks got brought up and all that good stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of a shame that Drew has to suffer through this thing, but it's, it's not his fault. And like, I think it is part of the coronavirus that's happening and the, the whole pandemic that's part of this issue. So hopefully when things go back to normal, he'll really get to enjoy it and things will kind of pick back up. Cause I, I, I would hope the fan, the fans would want to at least rally behind him. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I am not watching SmackDown because Braun Strowman's champion. And I didn't think I would ever say that I'm not watching a wrestling show because I don't like the champion. But I, I hated what happened with Goldberg and Strowman and Wyatt so much. And yes, I know that he's basically a transitional champion. He's going to be dropping it in a few weeks. But I can't stand the guy. I can't stand the character. I can't stand the person. I don't want to see him hold the most prestigious title on that show. And I, I don't tune in because of that. So I think that the writing has to take some of the blame because even before the coronavirus happened, ratings were going down. So I do expect them to go back up after all this stuff passes by. But and it's not like it's just going to shoot back up overnight. What are they going to do? Do two point two million? What do you freaking do? And that's yeah, nothing for Raw. Yeah, it's going to so. be even better whenever Bray jobs out to him in Money in the Bank. If he does, I'm going to say it right now. I'm going on record, episode 101. I will not watch Raw or SmackDown anymore. Period. That's it. Not happening. So we're going to have to find someone else to review Raw. Too and so, like, yeah, I'm just done. I'll be done. And then I'll just focus on Indie Focus and the other stuff that I do. 
and I'm not I'm not I'm not doing it. I'm serious. If Bray Wyatt jobs out to I'm saying it right now, if Bray Wyatt jobs to Braun Strowman at Money in the Bank, I'm done. That's it. That's it. Hey, hey Siri, remind me in five days. Matthew's quitting Wrestle Life. <laughs> he will no longer live the Wrestle Life. All right, I'm my you, reminder, man. my reminder set. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, so we'll, the uh, the Money in the Bank review show might be the last show that I'm on for a while <laughs> until Ron Strowman episodes, but it's it's ran its course. <laughs> All thanks to Braun Strowman. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Let's talk about WWE Raw and how I don't – it's another roller coaster show because they had some cool stuff and they had a lot of bad stuff. So the show opens. They open with a promo. Who cares? Um, of a video package, I should say, with uh, uh, Rollins and McIntyre, which I'm kind of glad they did since uh, that segment from last week was the lowest rated segment of all time until this Raw. Um, but it was actually really good. So I I know I hate on Seth Rollins a lot, but he's doing a good job in his role for the most part. He's had some weird stuff. Drew McIntyre's great. He is the next superstar. So, uh, and I mean, a huge, huge name. Uh, as long as Vince is a freak out and go, these ratings are terrible. Give it back to Lesnar. Well, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, so we opened up with MVP. And he says, hey, I tried to have the three men from Money in the Bank on last week, and things kind of, you know, got a little weird, and we had all this stuff go on. So I'm going to bring out the three women, and hopefully everything is going to go normal. Because as we all know, in WWE, promo or what, any type of segments, just always no issues, right? So Asuka came out. Asuka's amazing. And a lot of people say that Chris Jericho is the greatest thing to happen to coronavirus wrestling. A lot of people say Kenny Omega is the greatest thing to happen to coronavirus wrestling. I say nay. Nay, sir. As an AEW mark, Asuka is the greatest thing to happen to coronavirus wrestling. She is so good and so goofy and so funny and so entertaining that even though they have taken her down a notch and she's not the unstoppable Asuka that she deserves to be, she is the best thing to happen on any Monday night ever. She's just so good and so entertaining. Too bad she's out there with Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Correct. So Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler came out. And Shayna, MVP, was great. He spoke in Japanese to Asuka. He said he interpreted for her. It was so. It was great. Um, so there were two couches out there and like this little small table in the middle. Multilingual superstars are just blowing Vince's mind right now. Yeah, exactly. And John so Morrison coming uh, back and knowing Mex or I almost said Mexican, knowing <laughs> Spanish. It's okay. That's what Vince said too. <laughs> that's, that's what I, yeah, that's what I was what I was thinking. Uh, and MVP uh, speaking Japanese, he's probably like, "What? What is this?" <laughs> I thought only Akira Tozawa could speak Japanese. What is this? And one hundred percent hashtag racist Vince. So, um. Uh, I lost my train of thought where I'm. Oh, so there's two couches out there and then like a small little square table in the middle. So Asuka's on one couch, Shayna's on the other. So Nia just like sits on the table, which was kind of a funny little little visual. Um, Asuka cuts this ridiculous promo 
She is yelling in Japanese, and she basically says Nia Jax has a big booty, which I didn't know if that's okay to say. That's not what she said. She was saying she's a big bully. Uh, That's not what I heard. Yeah, she's (laughs) Japanese. She rolls her R's. Let's go MVP (laughs) for the translation. (laughs) I heard heard big booty. That's what I heard. She said big booty, but she was going for big bully from what (laughs) I gathered. But, either uh, way, either way, either way, it works. Yeah, you could have said was... unsafe workers. You could have said ugly, big booty, whatever. It would have been fine. Yeah, she's yeah. So she cuts this promo. Shayna Baszler, who I'm not a huge fan of her in the ring. Um, I do think she's got a cool gimmick. She's got a kind of very unique look. Um, I think did a really good job here, and she she didn't show much much emotion. But I don't think she needed to. And she basically said that, you know, her actions speak louder than Asuka's words. They got up, got in each other's faces, and they both attacked Nia Jax, which was terrific. And then they fought for a bit. And, uh, yeah, Asuka tosses, I think she tossed Baszler outside of the ring, if I remember right. Her music plays. And, uh, no, 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 no. Her music does play, but MVP is, like, in, in between them. And he's, like, holding his hands out trying to keep them separated because MVP is able to do this alone. One thing I don't understand about th- these MB Arena shows is why does everybody's music have to play all the time? I have no idea. It's What's WWE. the point? What's the point? It's it's branding. They have to associate everybody with theme music and catchphrases and all this stuff. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a fan of it. It's the same reason why if somebody gets beat up one week and they get you know beaten near death, and injured the next week they come out and they still smile and do their entrance like nothing ever happened. Yeah. They have to get their entrance. It's true. It's it's dumb. Yep. It is dumb. I agree. That's why I mentioned it. So we we move forward to the last chance gauntlet match for the final spot which no money knows in the anything bank. about apparently. Yeah. The, the yeah, matches come like, on and know. say, yeah, we don't know who anybody we don't know anybody's in it. They did. <laughs> They're like, we have no idea who's going to be in this match. We have no idea the number of people that are going to be in this match. But the gauntlet match is up next, and we know Bobby Lashley is starting, who is, like, backstage probably flipping tires. Yeah. So Bobby Lashley comes out, and uh, he he has uh, Titus O'Neil is his first opponent. And he does not beat him in 30 seconds, which was interesting. Um, he took him about, I don't know, a minute or a minute and a half. First of all, Titus O'Neil, Bobby Lashley makes everyone look small. He did not make Titus O'Neil look small. Titus O'Neil is a friggin' monster. And I was actually really excited to see him back on the show. I like Titus O'Neil. I know he's not the best worker in the world, but he's I like him a lot. Um, I will never forget the greatest Royal Rumble slide, but that's here, neither here nor there. Bobby Lashley beats him. Akira Tozawa comes out. Uh, who does know Japanese, by the way. Bobby Lashley destroys Akira Tozawa. Shelton Benjamin comes out. They wrestle for a little bit, and he beats Shelton Benjamin as well. So Bobby Lashley is on a roll, which, by the way, before the match started, they mentioned that he did not want Lana out there because she was too beautiful and too distracting, which is a good excuse to tell your wife when you don't want her out there. <laughs> uh, Humberto Carrillo comes out next, and I'm like, cool. I would like to see Humberto in this ladder match, right? Cool. Humberto comes out. Bobby Lashley and Humberto have a very good, solid in-ring match, right? It's solid. 
Um, but it ends with Bobby Lashley just destroying Humberto in the corner. And um, the referee, like, grabs Bobby to pull him off. And Bobby shoves the referee. So the referee just disqualifies him. And I guess I'm okay with this because you can't I'm shove not. the referee. Yeah, you can't shove the referee. This is stupid. But it happens all the time. Like, they do it all the time. And, like, why? It's not like Bobby Lashley's this super protected guy, right? Why not just have Humberto beat him? I don't get it. He is, is, he's his fourth opponent. And he's fourth one. destroying everybody. So, like, the referee yeah. just, like, screwed this guy's career. Like, he, he's yeah. got a shot to get himself into the money in the bank contract. Could change his life forever. He, he could win that title. And, you know, buy him and his wife, Lana, a nice house. And this ref just screwed him. He should yeah. have killed him afterwards. That would have been great. I kind of expected him out. to. I yeah, I have. thought he was going to. I really did. So as Bobby Lashley is freaking out on the ref, who finally leaves, Angel Garza comes out with Zelina. And I'm like, oh, easy pickings. Angel Garza going to take care of Humberto. Not so, says Humberto Carrillo. This match was good. I mean, they're cousins. They've probably worked together a million times. It was a lot of fun. Uh, but Humberto did get the roll-up. Zelina Vega looked super shocked. And then Austin Theory comes out. She's like, that's okay. Austin's next. I'm like, what if Angel Garza would have won? Then you would have had Angel Garza versus Austin Theory. Like, how? what would that have been like? Who would have Zelina been rooting for? I don't know. Maybe that's nitpicky, but I didn't like it. But Austin Theory and Humberto did good. Humberto pins Austin Theory. Fine. No big deal. And so, then you hear the music of one AJ Styles. I looked at my beautiful wife and I said, there's your winner. And boy, was I right. But AJ did not destroy Humberto. He had a very competitive match with him, which I do have a complaint about. The same complaint I had with Kenny Omega fighting against a jobber. Not that Humberto is a jobber, but he did just go through three men one of them being Bobby Lashley, who's a monster. Then you have Angel Garza, who should be evenly matched with him, and Austin Theory, who's a high flyer, good good wrestler. And then AJ Styles, one of the biggest stars in the company, couldn't put this man away for like eight minutes. And it bothered me. To be Did fair, he, he could have had dirt in his lungs still. <laughs> he could have still, you know, been suffering from, you know, being buried alive by the Undertaker. The, the announced team, like... They talked about it like they thought the dude was literally in the morgue. They're like, oh my gosh, this is the first time we've seen AJ Styles since he was actually buried alive by The Undertaker. I'm like, all right. It's just, okay. We get it. It's fine. AJ wins to the calf crusher. Uh, he looked like he was really going to rip apart Humberto's leg. It looked awesome. AJ cuts a terrific promo after the match, and basically says, yeah, you know, I understand there was this uh, this Boneyard match here, but I didn't really lose. I didn't really lose, because there's no real rules in a Boneyard match. There's no winner or loser, so it doesn't doesn't really matter. Um, I do want to tell you guys that it doesn't matter what I have to do to win this Money in the Bank match. If I have to throw someone off the roof, so be it. Okay, fine. Uh, Street Profits versus Viking Raiders. Coming up I later do, tonight. I do have to say real quick. We've, Go ahead. We, we forgot one thing that happened in this match. So we're, it's probably going to come back. During the Umberto and okay. Garza segment after Bobby had lost, they did show him in the back 
That's didn't, right. Didn't Thank you. With Lana. And uh, yeah. Bobby Lashley blew her off because she was trying to, you know, she was saying she might have been able to help him if she was out there. And he like blew her off and left. So they were mad at each other. Then they were happy. And now they're mad again. So, yes. Who knows yes. what's going to happen next week? Marriage. Right. Marriage is what brings up. Okay. Maybe Lana uh, will throw Lashley off the top of the Titan <laughs> I Tower. would love that. Uh, Street Promise versus Viking Raiders and McIntyre versus Murphy is happening later tonight. Uh, we'll go to the ring. Charlie Caruso was there with Seth Rollins. And Seth Rollins comes out and cuts a promo. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. You guys know that I'm the biggest Seth Rollins mark in the world. I kind of I checked out for this. So I don't know if it was good. Did either of you watch this? Uh, it was not that great. So. Okay. Uh, yeah, there you go. There, there it is. Not that great. I'm sorry I can't give you a more in-depth interview. But uh, I was very tired. And I'm like, oh, Seth Rollins. So I fell asleep. It, it was monotone Seth Rollins back again. So Yeah. It, Which I mean, that's not good if that's what happened. Because his stuff against Drew last week was very passionate. So it was significantly better. Yeah. This one was not. He, he was back okay. being the monotone, just, you know, basically saying uh, being a leader was more uh, than what you did in the ring. And McIntyre was not ready for that. Um, said he said he wanted to save McIntyre. So that's what he's going to do with Money in the Bank. And he won the title from him. So, yeah. But it was, it was monotone Seth Rollins back. So Great. Gross. Skip. That's, I'm glad I fell asleep. Uh, Shane Thorne and Brendan Vink are backstage, and I did see this, so I literally must have just slept through. <laughs> I literally must have slept through the Rollins promo, and so MVP comes up and he he gives them some encouraging words. It's from a movie, and I can't remember the name of the movie, but so he basically it's them versus uh, Ricochet versus Cedric Alexander next. I'm like, okay, they're gonna job again. Not so, says Shane Thorne and Brendan Vink. Before the match, though, Charlie's backstage with Murphy. And she's like, hey, I ask uh, Rollins about the match. Tell me what you think. And he says, no, no, no. She says, why have you been so faithful to Seth Rollins? And he says, look, when Seth, Seth needed me just like I needed Seth. And we've both been elevated because of this relationship. One day, I hope to be on the same level as Seth. I expect to be better than Seth Rollins. But I know that time's not now. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. Is there dissension that I hear in my good buddy Murphy's voice? I believe there is. Shane Thorne and Brendan Vink versus Ricochet and Cedric Alexander, who had a name... Like the, I don't remember their name, but they had a tag team name. They were not announced as a tag team under that name this this week on Raw. But Shane Thorne and Brendan Vink did a good job. They won. Cedric and Ricochet look like superstars. Shane Thorne and Brendan Vink, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, didn't look ready for the big stage. Not that they're not good, but they're in there with Cedric Alexander and Ricochet. It's difficult to look good when you're going against Cedric Alexander and Ricochet. I thought the match was fine. Um, but yeah, Brendan Vink covered Ricochet for the pin. I 
don't know what I thought about this. I don't. I, it's hard because I like them to build new stars, but at the same time, are we ever going to do anything with Cedric Alexander and Ricochet? No. <laughs> that's the answer, though, answer. and that's not the answer that I want. Yeah, Ricochet's done. Cedric Alexander's been done. They are the new uh, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. Yeah. Except they're a lot better than no, – nothing against Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. But yeah. they are no Ricochet and Cedric Alexander. They're just small guys. And Vince doesn't like small guys still. I don't care what anybody says. And, yeah, they, he just – he's given up on them. I think Ricochet might be the best in-ring competitor in the world. He might and be I the best Cedric in-ring Alexander. competitor in WWE for sure. Yeah. Like him and AJ, and I think, Brian, I mean, they're definitely probably top three. Yeah, I think Cedric Alexander is a top 10 or 15 worker in the entire world. It just blows my mind. Now, this is in-ring stuff. This isn't the whole package, just in-ring. This blows my mind when you have guys with that much talent you can't go. Maybe we, maybe we should uh, teach this guy how to talk, or maybe we could help this guy flesh out his character a little bit. They're two of the best workers in the entire world, and I, I, I just don't get it. It just makes no sense. And you know what? If you don't want them to do that, let them go out there and be tag team champions. WWE doesn't care about the tag team division anyway. Push them as tag team champs. They'll sell T-shirts. Go for it. I don't. I don't. I just don't understand. I don't get it. Also, uh, Thorne and Vink did not even get an entrance. And nope. Ricochet and Alexander looked like an actual tag team. Yep. So it looked like it's about to be a jobber match. And uh, it was. Ricochet and Cedric Alexander were the jobbers. Yep, 100%. Uh, speaking of things I didn't like, Strict Province versus Viking Raiders. Yeah, match was okay. It was, it was fine. But you know what wasn't good? Your tag team champions losing in a non-title match. Well, the second time on this week. I thought the match was, I thought it was pretty good because I really didn't know. I thought Viking Raiders were probably going to win this, honestly. Yeah. Because they hadn't lost their tag belts. And I mean, despite that horrible segment that they did, they, they tried to do something with them. Uh, so I thought that they possibly could win. I also didn't know. And they don't, they didn't say anything about it. I wasn't even sure if this was non-title. I thought it was for the belts because last week yeah. they talked about taking their titles. And so they came out and had a tag match. And I was like, okay. But I mean, I watched SmackDown and I was, you know, knew that that was a non-title match, but it just didn't click in my mind that this was the non-title. But they won. They got their hand raised. And I was like, I was waiting for the new tag champions or whatever. And they just raised their hands. And I was like, okay. So yes, we had on the second show in a row, non-title champ like champions beating the tag team champions in a non-title match and i knew it was a non-title match and the reason i knew is because earlier in the show when they announced it they didn't say it was for the title and i'm like well that gives away who the champ who's going to win the match 100 so a lot of people online had a lot of high praise for this match and yeah it was good but i think i was so convinced the viking raiders are going to win which i hate I've said it a thousand times on these episodes. There's only been 101 episodes. I've said it a thousand times. I absolutely hate when champions lose non-title matches just to set up a title match. It happens all the time in WWE. This is the second show in a row. It's within three days, guys. Friday, then Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Three days later, 
same ending. I hated it. It's freaking stupid. Well, I probably enjoyed it a little bit more because I actually thought it was for the belts. And then was disappointed <laughs> at the end when I found out it was not for the belts. So very strange uh, way to look at it. But two different perspectives. Yeah. It's just, I just, I, uh, yeah. Uh. Um, Charlie's backstage with Drew. I mean, okay. Eric and Ivar cut a promo. They say they're good. Charlie's backstage with Drew McIntyre. Um, Drew says he must really hit Murphy hard with that Claymore last week because Murphy is sac- sacrificing himself to McIntyre. He also accidentally called him uh, buddy for- at one point, which is hilarious. Did he? Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. He needs to. And uh, he's not he as professional as Mysterio, who said Murphy. So McIntyre says he has no qualms about the match, and he knows he's going to win. Um, Alistair Black cuts a promo on AJ Styles and says, "How dare you say you're going to throw me off the roof? I'm going to throw you off the roof, and you're going to wish you were buried deeper than just six feet." It was fine. He came like coming. So he like steps forward and like there's smoke everywhere in this dark room. He cuts the promo that he slowly. He's like, it's so much funnier rethinking of it than when I watched it the first time. He's like slowly backing up into the darkness, but he never really goes dark. And then it just fades to black. And it just looks so ridiculous. This Alistair Black is this legitimately like bad to the bone, like professional wrestler who's like supposed to be scary and he just looked kind of goofy and i just i don't know i love alistair black i just don't really like what they're doing with him on the main roster yeah it was a little goofy i agree it's vince he's gotta have like these characters be like super villains like i don't know it's it's goofy but yeah yeah uh ray mysterio cuts a promo and says that he's never won money in the bank but he knows that he will this time uh, and he says that if anyone's going to throw someone off the roof, no, no, he says he's willing to risk his life even if someone tries to throw him off the roof. And I'm like, all right, this is the third time this has been announced on this show. Someone is going off the roof. Now, it'll probably be WCW style, but it's it's 100% happening. And then they'll show up on the next show like nothing happened. Alistair Black is kind of like Kane from back in the day. Vince just had to put him in a boiler room all the time. So he yeah. was in the boiler room each week with red lights and smoke. And we were led to believe that this man traveled city to city every Monday night and hung. He's like, where's the boiler room at in this place? <laughs> set up his red lights. <laughs> and put, plug in his fog machine. And that's what he did. Oh my gosh. Also, I'm pretty sure every promo tonight. When black would go sit in a room with a chair and just close the door. Sadly it did. <laughs> So I think every promo tonight said the risk is worth the reward. Like five or six different times. 100%. I'm not exaggerating. It must it must be the tagline from pay-per-view. Yeah, it is. Yeah, well, that's so, why. <laughs> Charlotte Flair comes out. She cuts the promo. Promo's good. Liv Morgan comes out, interrupts her. And Charlotte basically says, she does the the, the rock to Booker T. And she's like, basically like, who are you, Liv? You don't even know who you are. You're still trying to figure things out. Do you actually think you stand a chance to get to me? They get a referee. And let me say, God bless Liv Morgan. Because she seems to be working her butt off. She is getting better. She is. She's getting better at her facial expressions. 
She's getting better in the ring. She's getting better doing promos. I like Liv Morgan, but she's not on the same level as Charlotte, and it was kind of apparent here. Would one of you like to speak on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. Like, Liv, she's done a pretty good job lately, but in fairness to there's not a lot of people on Charlotte Flair's level. I think she's right. She's probably the best in-ring women's wrestler WWE has right now. Yeah. And yeah, Liv, Liv definitely does not live up to her standards, but yeah. So the, the match went a little long, but it was fine. It wasn't horrible by any means, but yeah, it probably went a little too long. Yeah. Agreed. 100%. Uh, but the match was was fine. Charlotte Flair won it. She made Liv Morgan tap out. They set up Charlotte versus Io Shirai for NXT. Yeah, it's fine. Um, Drew McIntyre versus Murphy. This match was okay. It was disappointing because Drew McIntyre and Murphy were both are both great, and it wasn't just okay because they're not good workers. It was just okay because they weren't really given a lot of time. Uh, this match was what six minutes, maybe. Yeah, maybe. It's shorter than the live-in flare match. Yeah, it was really short. Um, Drew McIntyre. The the ending was really cool, as Murphy was beating Drew, and he backs in the corner and says, three, two, one, doing the countdown like Drew McIntyre does, runs towards Drew, and he gets his head kicked off by Drew, and Drew gets the three count. Seth Rollins pretends to come in. Drew McIntyre's like, please, Seth, I'm begging you. I'll get on my hands and knees. Just get in this ring so I can destroy you. Seth Rollins gets on the apron. He pretends to do it. No. He walks away, goes up the ramp. Drew McIntyre turns around to raise his arms to the crowd that is not there. And Seth Rollins runs into the ring and attacks him. He beats him down, goes for the stomp, but Drew just stands up and grabs him by the throat. He tosses him to the ground. He goes for a claymore, but Seth rolls out of the ring. And this time he actually leaves as he is horrified by this giant monster who is going to murder him on Sunday. I thought it was good. I liked it. I love McIntyre, though, so I'm super biased. Yeah, the, the whole him turning his back and lifting his hands up, a la yeah. Elias getting attacked by Corbin. Uh, yeah, not his best look, but other than that, he still looked great. They're, they're yeah. doing a good job of making him a killer baby face, which is what they need. Yeah. I really think right now McIntyre versus Rollins is the best feud they could have. Yeah, I, I agree. They're, they're doing it pretty well. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing their match. Yeah. 100%. So I can't give raw a good rating. I just can't because it was just so all over the place. There were some cool things that happened. But a lot of it was just dumb. I did like the gauntlet match, but I love that kind of stuff. You guys know I'm a sucker for the Royal Rumble. I love the split second of who's coming out next. I just love that. Um, Even though there were some dumb things that happened in it. I just, there wasn't really, and I'm I'm going back and looking through this Raw to make sure I didn't miss anything. AJ Styles returning obviously is great because I'm a big AJ Styles mark. There wasn't really anything on this show that just made me go, wow. Like, nothing, really. Nothing. So, I don't know. I, it just wasn't bad, but there was nothing just exceptional on this show. So, I'm probably going to give it a D plus, just because it was barely passable. It, again, not that bad. 
just wasn't anything good. And like multiple times, like we were like almost an hour through it. I look at my beautiful wife and I say, oh my gosh, it's not even nine o'clock yet. And there were just times during the show where we both looked at each other and we said, is this what we want to do with three hours of our Monday night? We could be watching something else. And we almost turned it off. And to be honest, if I wasn't responsible for Raw, I probably would have turned it off. I, I just didn't enjoy it. Am I am I wrong here? Like, did you guys think it was an okay show? It is about the same I thought of SmackDown. Uh, I probably wouldn't go. Yeah, like I probably wouldn't go as low as a D, just because it wasn't like I've. It didn't make me as angry as you know some shows have ten, you know have been made me in the past. So it wasn't completely horrible. I mean, the the Viking Raiders Street Profits, Profits match, I still thought it was good. Uh, I, I like Drew McIntyre. The Gauntlet match wasn't horrible. I thought, you know, Lashley dominating the thing wasn't great either. I'd say like C minus, maybe D plus. I don't know, like somewhere in there that realm for me. Like it, it wasn't horrible per se, but it, yes. It's along the lines of SmackDown, it's just boring. Like not not a whole lot going on. So, I uh, I agree with Matthew. I had an intuition that this episode was going to be bad, so I just didn't watch it. So. <laughs> F minus, right, though. F minus. <laughs> it wasn't an F minus show. There was no carpool karaoke. There was no terrible Saturday Night Live parody shows. But it just it wasn't good. Like if, every if, segment was just. If mediocre. they don't have my attention enough to get me to watch it, it's an F minus. Okay. Well, if I don't watch it, it gets an F minus. That's the way it goes. I don't know if that's fair, but that's fine. I, I didn't say I was fair. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> F Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this has been episode 101 of Wrestle Life Radio. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, Kyle, where can we find you? On Instagram at Kyle.Polly. You can find me at Wrestle Life Mad on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us all at Wrestle Life Radio on Facebook and Instagram and Wrestle Life Pod on Twitter. We really appreciate you guys. We really enjoy the first 100 episodes. Here's to the next 100. We really appreciate you. We will be back this weekend with a Money in the Bank preview, an episode of Indie Focus with Unholy Isaiah James, and then another episode reviewing Money in the Bank. How fun will that be? Lots of stuff. Sounds gonna like a be lot great. That's what it sounds like. It, it is a lot of work. I'm, I'm taking the weekend off. You guys have fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I will see you guys this weekend. I know you guys will too. I hope you all have an absolutely wonderful day. See you guys. <laughs>